Welcome to the Audit 15 Fund Podcast. My goal of this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days. Today, I have the honor to have as my guest, David Koifu. He is the head of internal audit at TUI in Europe. Welcome, David, to the podcast. It's an honor to have you on. Hi, John. Thank you for having me here today. Yes, absolutely. So today we're going to be talking about agile in practice. A lot of people talk about agile from a theoretical perspective, but we know that in practice, the theory is different. So we talked a little bit before this episode, and you said that you implemented agile framework within your department. So from your perspective in going through that process, how has the agile framework changed the way that your team executes and prioritizes their work? So we, the way we do really, we, we use Agile not just for audit, but also for our uh, audit plan. So we moved out of that uh, static annual audit plan. And what we do have now is an Agile audit plan. So we work with a backlog of audits. Uh, we're usually looking around like three months ahead. And then we go through iteration sessions, the different heads of audit with the audit director every six weeks or so. And then we approve new audit that gets then reported to the audit committee and also to the executive board. We have this definition of ready. So before we, we move the, the, the audit item in the backlog to, to backlog really waiting for, for approval. Uh, we need to make sure that we have the right understanding of the risk around the topic. And then it's the right time. If, we, if it's too far in the future, we just leave it in a backlog and we leave it to full approve later. And that's really needs to, it, it's good because we can allocate high priority audits. We have flexibility to do that and also management requests. And as we have constant meetings with the business, those priorities change it, change it and we can always work on it. At TUI, we have very tailor-made audits. We don't do just like standard financial audits, but we do a lot of operational uh, audits, projects, and compliance. So we use a lot of Office 365 for collaboration. Uh, we use Teams to sharing documents and chat. Also OneNote, where we can share uh, our notes from meetings or, or thoughts or whatever it is. Everyone have access to those notes then in the, in the project and also the co-authoring function on Word and PowerPoint to write reports, for example. And we apply Agile, honestly, in, in all the different uh, parts of the audit. So during the planning, for example, what we do is we now spend more time doing planning to really understand the process and do like a proper risk assessment. We speak to many different people involved in the area or in the process that has been, has been in scope and also the people impacted by this, by this topic. We use a lot of data analytics during the planning stage and that also to support the risk identification. As we find unusual items or some inconsistencies, we think this can point us to where we can have some problems. And then we can focus the scope of the audit on, on these areas. So our, um, our CM, a risk control matrix, working program, whatever we, however you want to call it, um, 
So we do also assign priorities to the, to the risks. And then we have flexibility as well as we progress. And then we see, let's test the high risks first. And then we can drop some of the low risks if that's the case, if things change throughout the audit. So that gives us a lot of this flexibility. Then as we move to fieldwork, I think the, the main message is, is communication. So communication is really key to the work. So we do daily or every two days, we do like 15 minutes of stand-ups, sometimes even bring someone from the business to these to this meetings. Uh, it's literally 15 minutes trying to focus on what you've done yesterday or since or last stand-up, what you're going to do it uh, to the next one or what you're going to do today. And also, if you have any blockers, anything that goes further than that, then pick up on a separate discussion. So then we can just get this, the stand-up done. Uh, we also use Kanban boards or that, not really Kanban board, dashboards now, but the Kanban boards we tried before just didn't, didn't work well for us. But that's a way of, of using those tools to monitor the progress of the audit. So we can look from a priority perspective. Have, have we picked up the high priorities first? or also working paper status per person. So we can see someone has, uh, has started a lot of working papers, but haven't, haven't finished. Uh, or if someone is actually picking up, completing it and send it for review. Because the idea is, yeah, you start, pick up, and then you, you send for review, and then you pick up another one. So uh, this allows us, to, the head of audit, to review the working papers quickly. And then at the end of the field work, for example, uh, all of our working papers are already reviewed. So we don't have to wait for the, for the head of audit to, to review things. And even if they raise more, they raise like review comments, for example, and the audit is pretty much finished, you need to go back to the business. As for more documentation, it's never, it's never nice. The other thing is that we don't really assign working papers to the people at the beginning. So that uh, whenever you finish a working paper, you go back to the OCM and you say, okay, what's the next high priority one? And then you pick up. So we kind of split the work better in this way. Not that you do 50% of the OCM, the other person does the other 50%. And then once you're finished, you kind of, yeah, that's it. I'm done. So it's a very collaborative work with the team members. Also, another thing is the regular communication with the business. And I think that is one of the most important things so it's the no surprise approach. So the findings being discussed with the business straight away. And also we share uh, at the end of the week, we always share an email with the business, even if it's not at the, the end of the audit, but the end of the, the week, just saying uh, any outstanding items, any findings and progress we've made, anything that we want to communicate really. So it doesn't come to them as a, as a surprise. And one thing we've done, some systems kind of allows you to raise the findings and then you just export everything to, to the report format, to your standard report format. What we do is we get up the template, we make, get our standard template, make it look nice already with the title of the audit and just put it on Teams. And then people can just, whenever they raise findings, they can write the findings directly on our template. And also any topics that we want to say on the conclusion, or from, from a distribution list perspective, whatever we want to include in the, the report, we already put in there. So then at the end of the audit, when we have the closeout meeting, we have all the findings already in there. We just extract those findings and send to them as the agenda. 
And then when they receive the draft report, it's not going to come as a, as a surprise because they've seen the findings and, and it's not going to change much from what we discussed before. And then on reporting, there's one interesting thing we do, which is the mob reporting. We got everyone in one, one, one meeting room or nowadays on a, on a team's call and we just write the reports together. Some people might think it's, it's inefficient, but on the other hand, we clarify everything. We make sure that everyone is in the same page. And even at the end of the day, we can always give a call to the audit director that also needs to, to have a look in that. Once he's agreed, we get the report quickly and out. Of course, in, in theory, it sounds very nice. We try always to do like that, but it's not always possible. And then the report gets quickly sent to, to the business. That's the that's the main the main thing. So we get a lot of speed in doing that. Yeah, quite a bit to unpack there, David. So, you know, referring to what you mentioned in the beginning, you're going through this every three months and you're auditing what matters when it matters. You spend more time on planning, which is interesting. I know there's a lot of discussion on how much time should be allocated between planning and field work, the use of data analytics to identify risks, and you're prioritizing the work based on that risk and field work, going through your standups, limiting to 15 minutes. I think that's where some people struggle. They, they have the daily standups that end up being an hour versus 15 minutes. Honestly, it, yeah, I know. It's very easy for me to say limited 50 minutes. It's not always like that, but we try. Yes, yes, that's key. And something that you said there at the end regarding reporting, which I thought was very interesting too, is you, you, know, you, you discuss as a team how, you know, about the reporting. Some people may think it's inefficient, but I, I agree with you that that's more efficient because I prefer the, what I call the no red pen approach. You don't have that back and forth of like, Let's send the report and then you get back with comments. How about just address all those comments at once and get it done, right? The one and done approach. So yeah, exactly. love it. Love it. I think that's, that's really good. Uh, one thing that you did mention also before our conversation here is that this approach has helped you in identifying root cause. It has improved your team's ability in identifying root cause for issues. So can you... Give us an example here of how this approach has helped your team better identify root cause. Yeah, sure. I think root cause is a bit of a mindset as well, right? It's not just to expect that at the end, you're going to find all the root cause. But as you do the work, you need to kind of keep that in mind. But what's the root cause? What's the root cause? And then as we, as we go through the audit and those regular exchanges uh, amongst ourselves, we can, we can already think about root causes. So on these mob report sessions, for example, uh, we, can, we can map the issues and the findings we identify, and we can play around with them to define what are, the, what are they, if they are actually an issue or just a symptom of a bigger root cause. There's one, one nice example of one time we kind of wrote the finding titles on like cards. And then we just start playing with them and putting them together on when there were similar root causes. And then 
okay, we have three findings, they're similar root cause, actually, then it's not three findings, it's one finding. So we rewrote them focusing on the root cause, but did mentioning the, the symptoms and then would allow us to identify and like possible remediate actions that later needs to be validated with the business. But we go straight into, into the point. And we can always on those sessions, just give a call to someone in the business and just get clarity on anything that we are not 100%, 100% sure and make sure that our recommendation is realistic and pragmatic, not saying you need to approve every single request that you receive because it's just not feasible, right? So what can, what, what is realistic? What can we recommend that the business will pick up and will um, add value to the business without causing huge disruptions? Yeah, really good point on differentiating between issues and symptoms because you may have multiple symptoms that may have the same root cause. And if you're not addressing the root cause, those symptoms, those deficiencies will continue to occur. So last question here for you, and kind of going back to the first question, which you mentioned there, communication and collaboration are essential as part of the agile process. So think about the agile framework. How has that helped you interact better with your stakeholders, not just within your team, but with your stakeholders? So as we got a good understanding of the risks and also the root causes, then we can properly discuss them with the stakeholders and come up with some, um, with a specific and realistic solution to solve the root cause and not just those tens of recommendations for each and individual symptom that we flag, but really the main point, which is the root cause, once you fix that, everything kind of downstream will, will get sorted. And that also proved to be uh, much easier for the business than to accept the findings because of the, the, the communication and the quality of the findings focusing on the root cause. Uh, so they accept the findings much easier and much quicker as well because they're already familiar, they understand, they agree with the topic, and it's just easier as well to to accept the finding, and then we get quickly the report out uh, published. Really good. No surprises approach. And I've heard this from another auto professional, which it's kind of similar. Like if you go to a doctor and you don't hear from the doctor in three months, you know, what's the result? So you're constantly communicating with the business. Hey, here's an update. Here's an update. Those yeah. weekly, weekly Even if emails. it's a no, no update, update, right? Exactly. Even if there's no update. <laughs> So really appreciate you being on the podcast, David. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you very much.